Hi, and welcome to the official Laughs Podcast. My name is Samantha Tams, and along with Estefania Lacayo, we founded the Latin American Fashion Summit, a global platform for Latin American fashion and design. Our podcast sessions aim to enrich the industry. We sit down with designers, entrepreneurs, leaders, and newcomers, and share their powerful stories with you. Thank you for being here, and we hope you enjoy the following conversation. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with Colombian-born and London-based expert Fabian Hirose. Fabian has over 17 years of experience in the global fashion industry, integrating his strong business acumen, design thinking, and developmental expertise to assist clients in reaching a deeper understanding of commercial challenges. He has worked with important international luxury brands such as Burberry, Alexander McQueen, Fendi, Valentino, Bottega Veneta, Salvatore Ferragamo, just to name a few. While so many of aspects of COVID-19's impact on the fashion industry remain uncertain, we wanted to pick Fabian's brain and hear his thoughts on the current situation. As many of you know, I am Mexican, and as I mentioned, Fabian is Colombian. But we have decided to have this talk in English as we have been getting tons of questions on the issue from our friends in Brazil and think it is important to include them in this conversation. We apologize in advance for any inconvenience this might have on some of our listeners. And just so you know, we have several podcasts in Spanish coming your way. So here goes my conversation with Fabian Hirose. Fabian, thank you so much for joining us today. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about you before we start deep diving into this conversation. So you're Colombian, but you have been living outside Latin America for so long, and you have been working with iconic fashion houses. And most recently, you have also been analyzing the Latin American market deeply. Could you tell us more about you and your experience in the fashion world? Samantha, uh, thank you very much for the invitation. For me, it's a great honor to be uh, sharing uh, my time with you and supporting uh, the followers of Latin American Fashion Summit. Um, I was born in Cúcuta, Colombia, which is a city five minutes away from Venezuela. I grew up between Colombia and Venezuela because of my father who was working for... Um, a multinational American company, and we needed to travel a lot. I had the opportunity to grow up with these two amazing cultures, and it gave me the opportunity to understand different ways of living and different ways of thinking. I was extremely curious about fashion and about business because my father was illustrating me in the reality of Latin America, and at the same time, the reality of other cultures. So I had the opportunity to go to London, and I study in London School of Economics. I study strategy and management and economics, and I was extremely happy with my journey in economics, but I needed to work a lot to pay my studies. So um, I was working in Selfridges and during the time of my degree, I was working in retail and in the morning I was receiving lessons. And it was an amazing, amazing experience because my brain was um, developing a kind of understanding of the theory and the reality, especially the reality in a city like London. 
uh, where you have different cultures and different kind of consumers and they have different um, motivations for them to purchase. Uh, after that, I was curious about uh, fashion and I decided to apply to Central St. Martins and I had um, the luck to get into Central St. Martins and of course it was amazing studies. Um, and it was an amazing experience, totally different from London School of Economics, a different structure, different kind of discipline, different kind of approach, but it was extremely complementary. Because of the need of working and the need of um, surviving, I needed to continue working. So I started to work as an intern in um, different places in London until I got a job with Simon Fuller. The Simon Fuller um, created a company called 19 Entertainment. And at that time, he, he was the manager of um, Annie Lennox, uh, David Beckham, Victoria Beckham, uh, Spice Girls. And he had these amazing projects about uh, managing uh, artists. Um, after that, I was curious enough to knock different doors in fashion. And I started to work with Paul Smith, with Vivian Westwood. And I had the incredible opportunity to work with Alexander McQueen. I was extremely happy working with Lee, because this is the way that we, we call him. And it was, for me, as a Latino, as a Colombian, it was an amazing experience. Um, but he killed himself when I was working um, in the company. And for me, it was a big turning point because I didn't understand what was going on and I didn't understand why a talented person um, like Alexander, like Lee, uh, needed to to leave so soon. So for me, it was very traumatic because um, I was extremely happy. And as a, as a boy, <laughs> as a young man, moving myself from Colombia and living this amazing journey of, um, in this industry, I was extremely happy working with him. So um, I decided to withdraw from the company and I went to have few experiences in other companies, but I couldn't stay for long. So I went to see my best friend in Santa Barbara, California, and she extremely wise, um, in a very wise way, um, gave me as a birthday present a um, postgraduate in psychology. So I had the opportunity to study psychology and I didn't know what I was doing, but I was following uh, what I needed to do. Um, I went back to London and I started to work in the project with Roland Moret and Victoria Beckham. Um, and after that, I started to become a consultant where I could um, mix the, my learnings about business, my learning about fashion and my learning about uh, consumer behavior, um, market behavior, is psychology, sociology, anthropology, and economics that was extremely important for me. And, um, and I went to, to the luxury sector only because I needed to be paid, <laughs> Samantha. <laughs> because I, I needed to be paid and I needed to survive. And 
it was not a preference only because I needed to be paid. And I started to work with Burberry and I started to work with Comme des Garçons. Um, and after that, clients like um, Gucci, Fendi, uh, right now I'm working with Bottega Veneta and clients in this type. As a Latino, I have to tell you, the journey has been amazing. I only saw one Latino person in my whole journey. And it was in Alexander McQueen, the designer of bags. He's from Argentina. But I couldn't find I couldn't find anyone else. So I feel I felt isolated. I felt alone. I felt misunderstood. But all of this it pushed me to adapt to different cultures and different ways of working. And Today, I'm extremely, extremely glad that I had that experience. So I, I can understand different markets, different cultures. And my essence as Latino is still untouched. But now I feel a bit um, more complete because of the experiences that I had. You and I have been having conversations all throughout this week and I really, really enjoy it. And I have made my notes about a couple of things that I want to ask. Um, and, and, and I guess that I first want to start by discussing in, in this downtime. And I don't quite like the word downtime right now because it's not like we're not doing anything. You know, in fact, I think businesses like ourselves or like a lot of companies, we're working overtime to remain visible right now and stay afloat. Um, but for sakes of talking about a period that it's business is not as usual, in this downtime, we have identified that there is a big opportunity to go back and evaluate different aspects of either your brand or business. And perhaps it's a Revaluating your mission, what do you stand for, or it's strengthening your DNA. And during our conversations, you had touched upon three great points that I wanted for you to walk us through, which are the opportunity to revaluate your business model um, and adapting to a new narrative, um, redefining your narrative, what do you do best? And the opportunity to study the way you want to translate your brand or business internationally. Um, I would love to, to hear more about these, these thoughts. Okay, thank you, Samantha. Regarding this um, question and this point, it is very important that all the startups and all the people that is in the business right now understand the concept of the journey of a business. Right now, it's a very good opportunity for all of us to evaluate where we are in this line. As anything in life, everything has a process and everything has its own steps. In businesses, especially in fashion, we need to understand where we are. If you are two years old business or if you are basically a business that has been working for five years, for 10 years, you have gained a certain kind of experience of maturity that allows you to generate the next steps. Because we are living in this uh, beautiful universe, <laughs> or we were living in this beautiful planet that uh, 
everything was so fast. Right now, everything is slowed down because everything we created, this amazing space, in um, most of us, we want to be in this space. Most of us, we want to be outside. But this is a great opportunity to evaluate the maturity that the business have gained. Only because this is an amazing tool for us to continue and to understand what it needs to be done. Any business, when it's in crisis, um, evaluates what the business has done, what the business has, what is the cash flow, what, is the, um, what are the assets, uh, what they are doing, what they are not doing, what they want to do, what they don't want to do. And this is extremely important and requires a lot of maturity and feet on the ground to be able to do this kind of evaluation. Evaluation at this point of the crisis is the most important part that any person inside fashion industry should be doing because we need to evaluate. It's amazing to evaluate others because we see it outside, but we need to evaluate ourselves as professionals, as fashion leaders, as business leaders, and we have to evaluate what we have done in this industry, especially if you have a business, what you have done in the business. The other kind of question that this um, startup should be doing is, do I know my clientele? Do I know my market? Or simply, I want to sell in a market that my product doesn't fit. This is an extremely important question right now because that's what is called evaluation of what you have done. So based on the reality, or, or based on what you ha- the steps that the business um, made, you can understand what you need to do uh, next. Yeah, and, and, and I couldn't agree more with you. And now that you're touching up upon... Um your audience and how it's really important to to know your audience. I think that um, the consumers right now, we have been, you know, um, living in this long confinement in times of austerity. And we have definitely rethinked our spending habits and We were used to live in this age of maximalism where brands would produce tons of SKUs and we were like living in this time of saturated possibilities. And for sure, this pandemic has changed the rhythm of consumer behavior in every possible way. So how do you think this change in consumer behavior will impact brands and businesses? And how do you see the consumer behaving after everything is over? About this point, I want to be 100% honest based on what I have experienced in different markets and knowing the, the patterns of behavior in many cultures. And I would love to be optimistic, but the best key is to be realistic. Unfortunately, the behavior of many communities are not going to change at all. So we are not going to have everyone thinking in a different way or everyone behaving in a different way, or we are going to be greener, or we are going to be more sustainable, or we are going to be more positive, because it 
change, behavior change doesn't happen like that. This uh, lockdown, this self-isolation process that we are living is being forced. Because it's being forced, so many of us, we are full of anger, anger mm -hmm. and fear. And this anger and fear will affect our behavior during the pandemic and after the pandemic crisis. So we don't know how many uh, communities are going to react. But based on the experience, uh, sometimes it's very violent, sometimes it's very negative, and very, very um, a small percentage of the community uh, change uh, for a positive um, behavior. Because this change process is not uh, wanted by the community, is being imposed, is being uh, forced in the behavior with, uh, is not going to change. The news are that the patterns of um, consuming in many communities are not going to change. Probably because of the economy, uh, consumers are going to be careful with the uh, amount of money that they want to spend per product. But it doesn't mean that they are going to change the patterns of uh, consuming. Especially fashion, because remember, remember what happened in fashion. If you like bags, you are going to like bags all your life, and your daughter will be extremely likely <laughs> to like bags. Mm -hmm. And that pattern, you are not going to change. And it can be, you can have different traumatic experiences, but it doesn't mean that that pattern will change. You are not going to buy in the same rhythm, but it doesn't mean that your attraction for bags is going to change. So um, consider, considering that, it is important for all the startups and small businesses and medium-sized businesses that they understand the patterns of their markets, especially the local markets. So in Colombia, we've been talking about the Mother's Day Why? Because Mother's Day is a very, very, very important um, day. The citizens and the consumers, they do not have the same amount of money right now to buy a present for the mother, but it doesn't mean that they are not, they are not going to buy anything for mothers. Mm -hmm. So this is a great opportunity for you as a business um, leader to understand the patterns of your consumers and how to react to them instead of imposing a promotion, so um, imposing new patterns that they do not exist. So many of us, many businesses, Samantha, they believe, okay, we are in crisis, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna put everything under promotion, I'm gonna put discounts, I'm gonna generate this without thinking exactly what the consumer wants. So this is extremely important for uh, all the uh, startups. Know your consumer because the patterns of behavior, they are already there. And we were talking earlier about um, how fashion is a response to society's needs, right? The relationship between markets and the fashion industry, this, this like constant reaction To, to what society is really asking for. 
Yeah. The beautiful thing about fashion, and that's why for me it's so fascinating, Samantha, is because fashion is the result of many forces in this planet. Fashion is created as a consequence. Fashion industry it doesn't have its own power. We believe we have power, and that's why we use a lot of ego to, um, to feel powerful. But actually, we are only in, in service of the society and the system. If we do not understand that, it's very difficult for a company to go into a mature phase. I want to explain this. Fashion itself is a commodity. Fashion, in, in legally speaking, is a commodity. So everyone needs fashion. And you know this because we can see this. Everyone in the planet, if they want to develop a fashion company, they can do it. Because there is no, um, there are no rules, there is no legal um, ways of doing this and defining you are fashion, you are not fashion. Everyone can, can create and can generate a fashion company. If you want to create a teachers, it's a fashion company. All of this is, um, is part of our reality as an industry. But The thing that we need to clarify is that fashion is the response of the society. If, for example, in, in China, after the revolution, after um, they couldn't buy um, foreign products, um, the government decided to open doors for foreigners and foreign products, of course, the reaction is to go and buy and collect In objects from different cultures. But this is only the reaction of the society itself. It's not because fashion industry was so smart to penetrate the market and they were teaching Chinese market how to buy European products. No. It's because of the condition of the society and the history. In the opportunity was created and the need was created. So basically, the companies that we participate in China, we are supplying the needs based on the society development. Another example that I want to give you and provide you, in Mexico, you are Mexican, you know that Mexico is, especially Mexico City, is one of the most important markets internationally speaking. But what happened? Why in Mexico? all of a sudden became a very important market because what was happening in America, what was happening in Latin America, all of a sudden um, the financial status of many of Mexicans uh, started to increase and they have the need to have a different way of living. So the opportunity was created and therefore they are consuming certain kind of products. So if you see... We fashion industry and we leaders of businesses, we need to react to these needs of the society. So first, we need to learn how to read them. And second, we need to know how to translate them. One of the things that happens, and, and I told you before, Samantha, and I talked to the brands in Colombia because right now I'm only working with Colombian brands in Latin America. 
because I'm supporting a project in Bogota. If we have a um, Colombian product, but that product is not needed in other society, so you are not going to sell. So don't many people call me, oh, can you introduce me the buyer of Isetan in Tokyo? And I said, but you don't have a product for that a consumer community. No, but please, because it's beautiful. And I said, no, you need to understand that the product that you created satisfied a need in the Colombian community and probably the Latino market. But that product doesn't satisfy a need for the Japanese market. So my question always is how you are going to translate it. Because it's not about creating products and putting products everywhere to decorate everything as yeah. as, as Latin America. <laughs> and no, it's, it doesn't work like that. Fashion doesn't work like that. This industry, as I said, is no, it doesn't have its own power. We react. We are in service of the community and the consumers and the market's needs. And the ability to grow in this business internationally and nationally is to understand how to read those needs and how to generate translations in, in terms of products and communication. So this interna internationalization and uh, this translation of, you know, this Latin flair and... I mean, we've seen since the summit's inaugural days in 2018, there was something about Latin America. The entire world was turning their heads into this region because of, you know, flair and this, you know, passion that drives us. And and of course, everything is is pretty. We see pretty dresses with ruffles and color and sexy, body conscious. But like you were saying, it's not necessarily going to you know, resonate with maybe the British woman in Harrods, you know, it might be an occasional buy for perhaps a wedding um, and, and, and not necessarily something that she will identify with. Do you think that this translation is more like reevaluating your DNA in another country or is it more like a merchandising aspect of it? Samantha, um, I, I went back to Latin America Not fully, but in a bit more um, constant way, uh, four years ago, because of personal reasons. Uh, the beauty of these uh, trips that I had to, to Latin America is that I found amazing, amazing, amazing talent in Latin America. Uh, the talent that is displayed in this region is amazing. But... <laughs> My question was, okay, there is talent, but as you know, Samantha, talent without training is nothing. Mm -hmm. So I was saying, okay, there is a lot of talent, but who is training this talent? Who is helping them to improve uh, and to maximize this amazing, amazing um, um, point of views? Because as you know, we in Latin America, we self-develop ourselves, basically, because we are in constant um, movement and evolution. Why? Because we are a new continent. We are new countries. We, the beauty of Latin America is that we are the children, we are the, we are the sons, we are the great children of many cultures. We are the 
children of Europe, we are the children of Africa, we are the children of indigenous communities, we are the children of uh, Arabs, we are the children even of British, we, have, we are the result of many cultures. And we learn how to celebrate that, even though for many of us it's very difficult to accept because we call ourselves Latinos, but what, what, what does it mean being Latino? Being Latino means that my family come from different backgrounds and they, ca they came to Latin America to uh, find a new way of living because the life that they had before, they were, they were, the life was not uh, amazing, basically. So we learn how to move from chaos to uh, find ways of celebrating life. Because of these celebrations, um, our culture has translated and has uh, identified different kind of uh, garments and um, costumes, let's call it like that, or um, uh, articles for us to celebrate uh, and to uh, support our rituals of healing and our rituals of celebration and rituals of living. Of course, now with the, <laughs> with the, with the um, social media, so everyone has access and everyone is seeing us like, what's going on in Latin America? What happened? We thought it was a poor um, continent, but actually... We are so rich in terms of culture and we are rich in terms of solutions. That is amazing and we have to feel proud about it. But, and this is a big but, but it doesn't mean that what we do locally will translate in other markets because it, it, beca it became too local. It became part of our culture that other cultures, they don't want to be like us only because they are not like us. A German woman, even though has a party in summer, or a British woman, or even a French woman, um, probably some Italians and some Spanish women, they are going to be inspired by us, but other markets they won't. And no going far away. Uh, many American women, they are not going to dress up as Latinas. Only mm -hmm. because it's not the way that they feel they are. They, they, they could find it beautiful, but they will never dress up as Latinas. So at this point, my invitation, and I'm working extremely hard to support the translation of products and cultures. Because we have talent, we found a way of living, but it doesn't mean everyone in the planet should be living like us. We should be doing this as a community, Latino community, because we, we've been working extremely hard in trying to find our identity, but now we need to find the translation of that identity into the new markets, only because this way you activate cells. And in terms of businesses, for example, and being extremely practical, if you are a company, you should have a collection for your national market and a collection for your international market. The, the big example, Samantha, in Colombia has been selling coffee for many, many years. And in Colombia, you find a certain type of coffee that you cannot find internationally. 
I was living 20 years outside Colombia. And when I went back to Colombia, I, I was amazed about the quantity and the qualities of coffee that you have in Colombia. Because outside is different. Why? Because the market and the consumers, they want a different coffee. So it's basically like that. It's the rule of being international. If you have a local market, so you have products for your local market. And if you have an international market and consumer, you have to translate or to create a product that translate and communicate with your international consumer. When I, when I started to work with some brands in, in Colombia, they told me, oh, I sell in London, I sell in Tokyo, I sell in Dubai. And I told them, tell me about your consumer in London. And they didn't know. And I said, okay, you need to find out who is your consumer. So when they did the homework, they came back to me saying, okay, is a girl from Peru that has a club, Latino club, and they are buying all my dresses. And I said, so you are not being international. Your product is only targeting the Latino community, but in different geographical uh, location. And that's amazing. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that your product and your brand is being international. So now let's move to digital. Um, we have seen that Latin America is a bit behind in adopting e-commerce practices. And this is something that we have talked about constantly at our summits. And however, I feel that this pandemic has proven us that we're all connected globally through different online channels and that these days everyone is spending a lot of time in their phones. And I guess that this, this could be the perfect opportunity as a brand or as a business to invest in not only having a website, but an e-commerce platform and aim for a more direct-to-consumer approach. I mean, we're seeing that even Chanel is opting to have e-com when they hadn't thought of this like before or, you know, they, they weren't interested in pursuing that channel. But I feel like all this pandemic has really changed the perception. And, and how would you feel that a small or an emerging company could become more virtual these days? This is a great example that you mentioned about Chanel, and this is this is one of the most important companies that we have in our industry. But at the same time, it gave us the indicative how old-fashioned is our industry itself. Because if you see other kind of in, other industries like banking, like food, eh, internet, and eh, online platforms. They are the main support. Fashion needed to become um, online. And we were waiting for that many, many years. And it was kind of um, many companies, they didn't understand. They didn't know how to do it. They wanted to have the retail experiences because this is what they knew. They didn't, ha they didn't know how to create a fashion retail experience. But... It is an extreme need to be online. But at the same time, um, based on what the business, on the online business told us, it depends on your kind of line of business. 
Because if your business is being um, selling direct to consumer, probably you don't need to have um, all your products on your website. The basics are you need a website. Please. <laughs> yes. Please, startups in Latin America, you need to have a website. A website can be used as a presentation of your business to anyone that wants to visit your website. And basically, it's extremely, extremely important. You have to, you really have to generate a website. All of us in Latin America, we should have a website presenting our business. Second, Instagram. All the companies should have a business Instagram. I see many brands and I um, saw Eva mentioning this in the last podcast. Uh, the many Instagram, the many uh, startups, they uh, post pictures of the uh, kids or the family or the dinner that they are having. And after that, they post the product that they are selling. No, please become professional. If you are professional and if you have a business, you should have an Instagram, a business account on Instagram and to communicate with your clientele in a business way. You can be friendly, you can be lovable, you can be uh, close, but you shouldn't be 100% personal and displaying what you are eating. And next post is about the jacket that you want to sell for uh, $1,500. <laughs> Because this is not a way that you communicate and that you sell to your consumer. The third step that I believe we in Latin America should um, follow is, depending on your quality of business, if your clientele um, is direct, so probably you don't need to have a shop, online shop, but you should have an explanation of what you do, how you develop your process with your clients. If you are in tailor-made uh, garments or made-to-measure bridal dresses. So you explain, okay, we, the first we have an appointment with the bride and after that we develop the second, the third steps. This is the process and this is our service. Because probably this kind of business doesn't need to, I mean, doesn't need an online shop. But if you are selling products and if you don't do direct-to-consumer, it is important to have an online shop. Online shopping is not a flea market shopping. So please be careful with uh, the decisions that you are making because you don't need to put all your products on your online shop page. Be careful with that because that's part of the strategy. You have to activate and you have to communicate to your clients in a different way. So let's say if you have a retail space, so you know your products in the retail space and the merchandising is different. If you have an online shop, the merchandising and the product should be different. It's never the same because the channels, um, they behave in a different way. A consumers, when they go online, they know what they want to buy. They said, I want a bag. So let's find out 
if they have a bag. When they go to retail spaces, sometimes 50% they know what they want to buy, but they get excited about, okay, no, I, want, I came here for a bag, but I'm buying a dress because of the whole physical experience. But online experience, majority of consumers, they know, they said, okay, I have a party and I need a black dress and I need to find a black dress. It's not that they are, oh, I need a brand, so I'm going to browse the brand. No. Online, the consumers, they have a 50% or 60% in the idea of what they are looking for, at least in terms of in terms of a product. They know that, okay, I need a black dress. Or probably I changed the color, but I need a dress because I need to go to a party. So it is very important and we really need to become, um, we need to use our online channels. But it is important that we learn how to do it properly. Our website, our Instagram, and our online shop. Because the um, They are totally different tools that you engage with consumers and that you interact with your community. Yeah, and I guess that um, the main goal here is to keep navigating, to keep um, your consumer navigating through your through your all your channels, right? Like n not losing them in in between going to your Instagram and then making them, you know, click on your webpage. And then perhaps if they didn't shop on your website and they have access of going to your store or going to a retailer that um, carries your brand, you still have that kind of um, consumer navigating in your ecosystem and your different channels. Yeah, it's a very, very important um, point that you are making, Samantha, because they are amazing tools to interact with your community. So all this that we're living right now will most definitely reset the fashion calendar. Some people believe that and or even hope that we will go back to two seasons only. Um, some people claim that we do spend a lot of money and time traveling to market, to shows, that it's not sustainable, that's polluting. Um, all this pandemic, I think that has forced a major disruption in another aspect of fashion, which is the future for fashion weeks. Um, and I and I think that, I mean, this is happening in Europe. We've been reading a lot of articles on how fashion weeks are, you know, need to change. In Latin America, though, I, I was surprised that Mexico <laughs> Fashion Week will feature their shows online, which is a major, you know, I was actually very happy to to find that they took that route. Um, most of it was obviously forced because of coronavirus. But other than that, I was very surprised that they decided to do that. And I think that this is going to, you know, mark a different future for the fashion calendar and, you know, fashion weeks overall, right? Yeah, it's a, a reflection about fashion weeks in From the business point of view, is many of fashion weeks, they became something else than a fashion week. Um, based on the experiences that we are having for the past five years, uh, fashion weeks became like a flea market 
where you can find anything and everything at the same time. Fashion Weeks, they were created as a great opportunity um, to display um, the local fashion and the local um, offer of products uh, to different markets, to national markets and international markets. After that, many brands use Fashion Weeks as a great platform to generate marketing um, interventions to engage with their consumers. Many companies and many of my clients in Europe and in Asia and in Middle East, they are rethinking about the use of Fashion Weeks only because they don't see it as powerful as before, only because they became something else. The pandemic is, is going to shape them because actually they need to be shaped. Many buyers from different um, amazing multi-brand stores, sometimes they don't come to Fashion Weeks. They said, okay, you, the assistant, go and play in Fashion Weeks and you tell me what, what I need to see. But actually, many companies are having private appointments of the calendar, out of the calendar of Fashion Weeks, to um, discuss the collection with the buyers. Because now we met in Paris, Samantha, and I saw, we saw thousands of thousands of products in, during Fashion Week, which is amazing, but at the same time is not sustainable and is not very good. Only because I saw many uh, Colombian brands, especially the ones that I know, many people paying uh, hotel rooms, displaying products that probably no one is going to buy only because they don't have the right quality, they don't have the right pricing, and they don't have the, they are not supplying any need. They are just beautiful products. Mm-hmm. So we need to be careful with all these fashion weeks because actually we, we, the industry don't need them in terms of businesses as they are. We need to reshape them. I was invited by the Chamber of Commerce in Bogota to support the development of Bogota Fashion Week. And I am um, leading uh, solutions that can be useful for the national designers. Because it cannot be only a a catwalk marketing tool and everyone um, is happy and the mother and the father says, oh, my child is uh, succeeding because they are having a catwalk in Bogota Fashion Week and the article in the local press and all of this, which is extremely beautiful, but it doesn't have an impact on the business and on the financials. So be careful with that. So, yeah, I guess that the, the, the platforms itself have to evolve into a more integrated you know, platform itself, where maybe it's not only the seven-minute show anymore. It's, you know, an entire platform and experience and component and networking and, you know, something that drives business, actually. Exactly. And because the platforms should be that. Especially after this crisis, we understood that if you want to generate an investment... Uh, you as a Latino brand uh, to go to Paris so Paris and the Fashion Week in Paris should be help you 
with the business itself is not only, okay, I'm going to take advantage that everyone is in Paris and I'm going to rent a hotel room and I'm going to wait if, I, if I'm generating traffic or not, or I'm paying this agency or this showroom to sell in my, the products that no one needs. So we have to be careful with this business model. Regarding the opportunities for small brands and small startups, um, my piece of advice um, during fashion weeks, be careful, uh, take advantage of all the platforms, but be careful what you are expecting from them. Because not all of them, depending on your business, they are useful in terms of generating revenue. For me, and I'm going to tell this uh, based on my studies in Colombia, the platform that we are creating is only one option of many options that the designer and the startup should have. And we are creating a different kind of opportunity without competing with the other platforms because the designer should have channels and platforms to enhance uh, its business. If um, you have a startup in Latin America and if you want to go to Paris and you want to spend a lot of money in a hotel room and you are just only two years in the business, I'm just going to tell you this, just wait. <laughs> yeah, so you, would you recommend for an emerging brand to mature the brand in their local market, in their local platforms to then go international and, and present to in Paris or in New York that with with a strategy behind. Samantha, I would recommend that and it's our responsibility to do so only because if brands without preparation go and present in Paris, in New York, in London, in Milano, the reputation of Latin American fashion will be affected. Yeah, and definitely. we have, again, I have to say this, and please, if everyone that is listening to this, understand what I'm saying. We have an amazing talent. That is our main asset. But we need to professionalize. We have to mature that talent. We have to train that talent. We have to understand. We have to know how to uh, put a sip in a chiffon dress because there are many ways, but there is an international way. There is a standard, yeah? Because otherwise uh, it will be affected. We local uh, platforms, you with the initiative that you are having, is an amazing opportunity for a startup to do trials and to learn in the process and to get ready. And our responsibility is to help them during that transition, because all of us um, are going to win. When I saw many Latin American brands in Paris, because for me it's very new that I'm seeing uh, Latin American products, the solutions are amazing, but you need to see what the other solutions are in other countries. It doesn't mean that we are less talented. It's only our product and many brands are not ready. And of course, we can celebrate and we say we are, we are in Paris, we are selling in Paris. But it's a, a very, very difficult point because you could affect the result in the futures of your reputation as a Latin American brand. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. Um, so finally, to wrap up, if you were a brand or business these days, where will you allocate your limited budget? Is it in online marketing, online PR, influencer marketing? Where would you put your dollars, euros, pesos right now in this pandemic or post COVID-19? You have to put it inside your pocket. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is the right place right now in the pandemic. Um, I'm going to be talking as a very financial man now, <laughs> less reflective, more um, square, let's call it like that. You, first, you need to double check how much uh, cash you have and you have to keep it because otherwise it's going to be very dangerous um, investing right now. If you have the ability and if you have the budget to invest, if you have, if your budget allows you to pay your suppliers, allows you to pay your bills, your fixed costs, um, okay, that's important that you identify. If your budget allows you to generate an external investment, I believe that depending on the journey of the brand, you should invest. If I were the commercial um, chief of a brand, I would invest in many channels, but very little. So let's say online marketing, online PR, um, influencer marketing. I would put a bit of investment in all of them because all of them are important. I wouldn't do... Um, I wouldn't select one of them only, but we have to reflect what you need or what your brand needs and what your budget allows you. The beauty of this industry and the beauty of a fashion business, Samantha, and that's why I love this industry and that's why I love fashion business, is that everything here is extremely important. The makeup, the model, the product, the fabric, the Instagram, the website, the consumer, everything is important. And of course, for many of us, it's overwhelming, but life itself is like that. <laughs> now in this pandemic, it's showing us that everything is important. And now we double check that being healthy is the most important thing in life. So just allocate and double check how much money you have and how much cash you have. And after you pay all your suppliers and you pay all your fixed investments, allocate a little budget and try to identify the investment where you would love to do. And I said my recommendation is that you generate little investments in, in all channels, but just little because all okay. channels are extremely important. Well, thank you, Fabian, so, so, so much for your insights, your experience, your advice. It has been delightful talking to you today. Um, and I can't wait to see you soon, hopefully um, in Bogota or hopefully in Cartagena or wherever we might find ourselves in a post-COVID situation. But in the meantime, please stay safe. Um, and thank you again for giving us your very, very, um, I don't want to say 
humble, I want to say extremely intelligent opinion of an overall insight of the business. Thank you so much. Thank you, Samantha, Samantha, for the invite. And I appreciate that you um, invite me to this space. And thank you very much to everyone that is listening. Um, please stay strong, stay healthy. We can do this. We are Latinos. We know how to do it. We survive. Our parents survive. Our ancestors did it. So we are going to be able to do it. But we need to stay together. We need to be smart and we need to improve our knowledge all the time. So I'm here available. You can connect with me on Instagram if you have any questions. Please, this is the right time to help my community, my Latin American community. Thank you so much, Fabian. Again, stay safe and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. As many of you know, LAPS is trying to bring the most powerful insights to our community right now. Please let us know what you guys want to hear. Send us an email or DM us. Thanks again. Stay healthy and safe.